Awesome. Well, welcome to those who are joining or listening online. So good to have you with us. And uh, uh, just uh, again, wow, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, I think so. And uh, a lot going on. So do come to uh, uh, tonight, those ice creams, that candy floss, the cafe, it's all open. It's all free for you because Jesus gave freely. And so we want to make sure. So bring your friends, invite everybody. Uh, we are acting in it. You're going to see my wife acting. <laughs> You're going to see us acting. And, and, and it's worth coming along just for that, just to laugh about that. So, so I want to tell you, it's going to be some fun uh, tonight as we just re- re- remember in a fun way the, the birth of Jesus. And so this is the final part of my uh, series. I know some, some people have been waiting for this for a while. Sorry it took so, uh, took so long. So it's the final part of my series, The Christian And. We've briefly looked at three topics uh, over the time. We've done The Christian and Success. We've done The Christian and Abortion and both of those online. And thanks for the feedback. And it's interesting who's talked to me about that even around a town who d- don't come to church, not churchgoers, but have watched that uh, sermon. So that was pretty cool. I've been encouraged. And not only just watched it, People have shared it, and so uh, that's been pretty, uh, pretty cool. Today, we are doing the Christian and alcohol, because it is the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. And so um, the problem is that some people turn jolly into folly. Can I hear a good amen uh, onto that? So I was wondering, do I do this sermon so close, or this teaching so close to so close to Christmas, you know, and and I was like, oh, is it the right time to do it? Should I wait? And uh, but an incident happened last Saturday that's like, no, yes, it needs to happen. I was on my motorcycle. I rode up to Fielding. I was on my way back. I was on a state highway, and I pulled out of a intersection. And as I was just as I was pulling out, I I, I looked in the distance, about a hundred meters down the road, and I could see a big cloud of smoke uh, coming. And as I looked a bit harder, I I, I saw a car had crashed into a uh, ditch. And so I I rode over there and other cars were were pulling up and smoke was coming out of the uh, uh, bonnet and the person who was driving was still inside. So we we rushed over and, uh, you know, had to to really yank the door open and other people were calling emergency services and so on. And so as we we, we get this person out, the person gets out all smiley and happy and just sort of like, have I hit anyone or whatever? And I'm like, "Uh, she's she, she, it, was a, it was a she. I'm not just saying anything, but, but it was a she. It just happened to be, and uh, could have been anybody. But uh, but, 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 but 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 she got out and was like, "Sis is going to kill me. This is not my car. This is not my car." And then she said, "And I haven't got a license. Are the cops coming?" <laughs> and, and 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 as I looked into the car, like the airbags have gone off and all that type of thing. The car's in the ditch. She, she's like, "Can I drive off?" I'm like, "No, that's not a good idea. Don't." Don't don't drive off. And I said, I looked on the, the the front seat, the the passenger seat. There was a dozen beer there, not open, but dozen dozen beer was there. And so I said to her, I said, "Sweetheart, have have you been drinking?" And, and, and she's like, I, "I've had a couple, but I'm not drunk." Of course, the evidence doesn't support that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> So it took about half an hour for the highway patrol to uh, get there because they, they were quite far uh, away. And I, I don't know whether she was over the limit or not. We gave her uh, uh, our details and then I uh, carried on on uh, the road. But as I thought about that, I thought, how many other incidents like that are happening around New Zealand where somebody, luckily, if you like, 
gets away with what could have been a terrible crash. I mean, they literally crossed the center line. Went If there had been a car coming the other way, it could have been a tragedy. And as I thought about that, I, I, I thought, and, and also with our, the stuff I do with the fire services and the accidents and stuff that I've, that I've been to where alcohol's an issue, I, I, I really thought, no, no, I've got to do this message today because New Zealand has an alcohol problem. About four of you said amen. Some of you know, it depends where you're going to go on this, Pastor. Come on. News Hub in 2017 said the New Zealand Drug Foundation that says alcohol causes more harm in this country than the illegal drugs, methamphetamine, marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, acid, and heroin combined. Uh, that's something that's the New Zealand Drug Foundation. All of those drugs combined does not cause as many problems as alcohol. Here are some facts and stats about alcohol in New Zealand. And uh, I've worked hard to try and get these up to, uh, as up-to-date as I can. There isn't a lot of recent sort of stuff. But 3.9% of all deaths in New Zealand are due to alcohol. That's 1,040 deaths per year, almost three people per day. Alcohol-related hospitalizations are estimated to cost New Zealand more than $5.3 billion per year. That's $14.5 million every single day. 2,300 15 to 19 year olds are hospitalized each year with alcohol related problems. New Zealand produced, listen, 470 million liters of alcohol for consumption in 2007. That's 117 liters per person. That's 29 dozen cans per person, every man, woman, and child in New Zealand. It's not uncommon, of course, now to hear of a sports person losing their career after going to a bar after a game and having a drunken fight or getting into trouble. It's not uncommon. It's, sadly, it's not, not uncommon to hear of pickled pastors. Yeah, you can Google, you can Google. Don't look at me like that. Come on. <laughs> oh, I needed a drink to relax before I came. No, I didn't know that. But, 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 but I want to tell you, I've just got, got to be honest, you, you, can, go, you can Google it. I've got, you, you, you can see a, a major megachurch pastor in the States recently lost his job because he was a pickled pastor. And I, I, want to, I have to be honest and say, look, I've had to deal, even in New Zealand, with some pickled pastors who have got themselves into trouble, drinking far too much, being pulled over and being over the limit and losing everything, not just their job, but their marriage, everything. I've had to deal with that. And then, of course, I've had to deal with pickled parishioners. <laughs> you know who, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, but, but over the time, but where, where alcohol has affected their family lives and messed up things big time. So, so, there, so, so there, there's no doubt that, that, that uh, without doubt, alcohol can, can and does cause some serious problems. So, so what's our response as Christians to alcohol? What's our response? The Bible does have a bit to say on alcohol. In fact, there are around, just so you know, 470 references to drink and drinking in Scripture. 470. There are 260 references to wine. 233 times the word wine itself is used. So the question we're looking at today in this small time that we have together is, can we as Christians drink? Or as Shakespeare said, to drink or not to drink, that is the question. Or he said something close to, <laughs> close to that. The, the reality is, 
is that many Christians, and I, I guess even here too, the reality is many Christians do in fact drink. The stats I got tell me that 65% of Protestants drink alcohol. 85, 85% of Catholics, go Catholics, <laughs> drink alcohol. And those Christians that, that have a little tipple, they, they, are, they are quick to tell you, well, did not Jesus turn water into wine? And the truth is, yes, he did, and a lot of it. 700 liters, if you look at the... The scripture, it was quite a miracle. It was his first miracle. That's what he did. Top shelf Jesus Chardonnay. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They'll be quick to say, did not Paul tell his son in the Lord, Timothy, to take a little wine for his stomach infirmity? And of course, yes, that is true. Yes, he he did in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. And here's the thing. I, I do think Compared to when I became a Christian, when I became a follower of Christ, many more Christians are drinking than, than when I became a follower of Christ. When I became a follower of Christ, practically every second person was an alcoholic. And so they, they, were, they were like, because New Zealand really, I think New Zealand in some senses has improved in that. But, and, but in those days, every, every second believer I met, oh yeah, but I was an alcoholic. And it's like, so, so nobody drank because nobody wanted to mess them up. But I think today we've perhaps moved past that and many more Christians are drinking. So it's important that we, we, we talk about it. I mean, the last thing I want us to do as, as followers of Christ is sort of pretend or uh, 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 sneak or, uh, you know, you go to New World and, and there's Pastor Anita there and you're like, come on, move that trolley, move that trolley. You're packing it up. You know who you are. And they don't know Anita's packing under nothing. She's gone, she's gone. Getting a bit of that port wine in there. Portuguese background, you know how it is. <laughs> she would never do that. But we've got to have an honest conversation. We've got to have an honest so I don't want us to. I don't want us to hide it. There was a guy having a quiet drink outside in the garden garden bar and he was just having a quiet, it was Friday afternoon, it was just a quiet beer outside and, the, and then this nun comes up and, and starts lecturing him about the evils of alcohol and the, the guy goes back and says, well, how do you even know it's evil? How do you even know? How do you even know it's evil? And, and the, the nun's lecturing him and all that. So he said, I'll tell you what, have you ever tasted it? Have you ever had one drink? And the nun's like, no, I could never do that. Never, 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 never. And he said, listen, I'll tell you what, you have one drink, you taste it. And, and, and if you come back after tasting it and having one drink and you tell me that it's evil, I'll never touch another drop again in my life. And the nun goes, I couldn't be seen to drink alcohol. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll get it in a teacup for you. He goes inside to the bar, goes up and he says, I'll have one beer and a vodka, make it a double and put the vodka in a teacup. And then the bartender stopped and said, is that nun out there again? <laughs> I'm just saying, don't be like the nun. It's important we have it open and on. I'm just glad you came to church this morning. Come on, somebody. It's important that we have an honest conversation. Now, I think the Bible is clear on drunkenness. It's really clear. You don't have to uh, debate it. The Bible teaches don't get drunk. Don't be drunk. Ephesians 5 verse 18, it says this, and be not drunk with wine, where in is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, for those who don't drink wine, someone's saying, that's good for me, I drink beer. No, come on, somebody. <laughs> that's not what it's saying. The message here is don't get drunk. So for the Christian, if you regard the Bible as your moral compass, of which, by the way, the stats say that only 14% of evangelical adults do rely on the Bible as their moral compass and believe that moral truth is absolute. And I don't know which side of the fence you fall on, but I do know if you drink too much, you'll fall on either side, no matter where it is, because that's what happens. The Bible's clear. Don't get drunk. I want to say you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to go into the Greek or the Hebrew to get the meaning. It's clear. It needs no interpretation. But just in case you don't believe me, let's look at some different Bible versions of that same scripture. Here it goes again in the NIV. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's the NIV. Let's, let's look at the Good News Bible. Do not get drunk with wine, which will only ruin you. Everybody say ruin. Oh, man. Right, right, here's the contemporary English version. Don't destroy yourself by getting drunk. And here's the American Standard Version. Here's the Americans for you. And be not drunken with wine, whereas as riot. Okay, just don't do I don't even know what that means. I mean, but it sounds bad even doing it. Now, here's the message version, which I personally like. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. So the word drunk in the Greek is the Word methoskoto. Everybody say methoskoto. Yeah, it could sound Japanese. Methoskoto. Sorry if you're Japanese. <laughs> That's how it sounds like that. Methoskoto. And it means this. It means to intoxicate or be drunk. And so the scripture's clear. Don't get intoxicated. Don't do it. You might say, well, that's only one scripture. Well, if you needed more, I guess we could say drunkenness is listed among the 17 works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19, verse 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, they're out, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't write me letters. <laughs> First Corinthians 6 verse 10, say, it says it again, drunkards shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, in Romans 13 verse 13, drunkenness is listed along with the other evil deeds. It says this, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness. Now, here's an interesting fact. As I looked up the original Greek word for drunkenness used in the New Testament passages, I found the meaning quite interesting. It's, uh, it's methusos. It's sort of similar to that uh, other word, and it means tipsy. Tipsy. That is drunkard. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I've been around a while, but people often will say if they've had that, oh, no, no, mate. I'm not drunk. I'm just a little bit Tipsy. Well, according to the Greek, it's the same thing. The lady who crashed on Saturday, I, I'm, uh, she, she, well, she, she, she said, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not, I've had a few drinks. I'm not, I'm not drunk, even though the evidence suggested otherwise. Maybe she was just tipsy. The Bible says they're the same thing. So the hard part for us as Christians is where do we draw the line? When does tipsy become drunksy? Come on. 
and no more beersies for usies. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So we as Christians need to have wisdom when it comes to this area. We don't want to go, I pray, astray. So we've got to be careful. Don't be like the guy who said, when I read about the evils of alcohol, or when I read about the evils of drinking, I gave up reading. <laughs> Some of you that's still sinking in over the side. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. So can a Christian have a glass of wine? Can a Christian have a beer with a, with a meal? As I've read and studied the Scriptures, and I understand this is not just the last couple of weeks. So this is, I, I've thought about this for years and had to reach a conclusion on this. As I've read and studied the Scriptures over the years, I've come to the conclusion, yes. You might not like that, but that, as the conclusion I've come to, yes. A Christian is free to drink. Can I say this though? He is not free to get drunk. He is not free to abuse alcohol. Now please hear me. Don't get me wrong. Don't write me a letter. I said the Christian is free to drink. I'm not saying a Christian should drink, has to drink, needs to drink, must drink. I just said he's free to. At Connect Church, we have a strict policy that we have no alcohol at any church functions. And I, I know there's been a couple of slip-ups over the years and uh, th uh, through that, but it's just because people didn't know. We have a no alcohol policy for this building, and that's not about to change. Now, I, I said a Christian is free to drink, and just to be clear, I'm, I'm talking about an, an adult here. I'm not talking, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm seven, and I'd like a wine, please. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm guessing you've figured all that out, right? Okay, if you haven't, you need help. Come on, somebody. But how and why did I reach that conclusion? Well, simple, it's simple, it's not complicated, it's not rocket science. I reached that conclusion because there is no specific commandment in Scripture of which God says, thou shalt not drink. Now, in saying that, the tenor or bent of Scripture is against the misuse of alcohol. The, the tenor and bent of Scripture is for moderation. The fact is that there were those in the Bible who vowed voluntarily to abstain from drinking, like the Rechabites of Jeremiah 35. They, they vowed never to let alcohol even touch their lips. And there are people out there, Pentecostal preachers, fire and brimstone, who, 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 will, uh, who will say, we should take that vow too. The problem is that if you decide to live by the law, you must live by all of it. Come on, somebody. And so if you want to take a Rechabite vow, you've got to understand also that they also had to vow other things as well, like they could never own a home, they could never plant a field, and they were to live in tents. Come on, who wants to live in a Come on, somebody. No, I don't see that hand up. Shane was putting his hand up. Danica, you are in trouble. No, no, just that. <laughs> but, 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 but they were to be travellers all the days of their life. So if we've got to take one bit, we've got to take it, take it all. That's the, that's the problem with sometimes when we say, we make Christianity about rules and regulations. See, I, here's the thing. You, you are 
free to disagree with me, but I believe, however, the Scriptures teach that to drink is a matter of free will choice. There is no command. And there'll be some here who wish there was a command, but there isn't. There is no command that says thou shalt not drink alcohol. And with 470 verses around the topic, it's not something Scripture is silent on. See, the Scripture is silent on some things. Like when we're in India, when we lived in India, there was all types of ways that Christians or things that Christians weren't meant to do. Like we weren't meant to go to films. Films. <laughs> Movies. <laughs> okay, so they, so you know, they say, don't you, nobody's to go to films. Films are very bad. Eh? Don't you do it. It's a very dirty thing. And so for a Christian to go to a film, that was like, like, like the worst thing you can do. But the thing is, the Bible's silent on films. It is. It's silent on it. There's nothing. You, 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 you can't find it. They, they had another thing. Don't play cards, man. Cards of the devil. So cards you can't do. Ace, Jack, King, Queen, whatever. It's very bad. But you can't go into the Bible and go, here's about the cards. Scripture, you know, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7. No, you can't do it. It's silent on it. You have to make it up through the principles or, the, or whatever and form an opinion. But with alcohol, that's, that's 470 scriptures on it. The Bible is not silent. And I believe if God wanted to say that, he would have said it. He didn't go, oops, I forgot to put that in too late. Come on, somebody. Now, of course, some will say that the, 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 the wine Jesus made was non-alcoholic. <laughs> that it was grape Grape juice. It was grape juice. I mean, people say that. And t- t- look, to be honest, if you, if you hold that opinion, it's a bit of a stretch. It really is. And, that's, and it's usually because people have already presupposed an opinion like Jesus would never create alcoholic drinks. So, so, you, so you've got to and then align everything. Like when Noah got drunk, who was the most righteous man in all the earth, when he got drunk, he didn't know it was, oh, he picked top shelf. He didn't know. Didn't know. Because how could he? He was the most righteous man because you're trying to put your opinion based on what you're already thinking. Just don't do that. God uses all kinds of people. He's using you. Come on, somebody. (laughs) All right, okay. That was quiet. (laughs) See, if you think like that, to be honest, that's a bit of a stretch. stretch. And they would try and say, and I've read books where it says this. This is... This is what Christians drank in those days. And it was non-alcoholic. And I'm like, really? Really? See, the very fact that the Scriptures, like we read out at the beginning, tells us, be not drunk with wine, and kind of tells us that Christians, that that was addressed to the, those were letters to the churches, it kind of tells us that Christians were drinking alcoholic drinks. It, so it really is a stretch to, to say anything different. And of course, what about the instructions to elders and to leaders and to deacons and all those kind of things? That, uh, to, to the elders in First Timothy 3 verse 1, it didn't say you don't drink. It said this, whoever aspires to be a leader and overseer and desires it, it's a noble task. And they are people who are not to be given to drunkenness. Not to be given, another version says, to too much wine. In other words, what it's saying is be responsible with that. Be responsible. Be a steward of it. 
It's repeated again in Titus chapter 1, verse 7 to deacons in 1 Timothy 3.8. It says, in the same way deacons, these are leaders in the church, are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine. Don't drink too much. And then it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, and it's speaking to older women. I don't know why it's only speaking to older women. It's not speaking to the men. But don't worry, the men are covered and all that don't get drunk. So just, just saying, just saying. Don't, don't, just, just relax. Titus chapter 2, verse 3, tell the older woman, don't be addicted to too much wine, ladies. Come on. I want to tell you when they read that, you're not thinking of grape juice, right? You're not going, don't drink, don't get addicted to that grape juice. It'll ruin your teeth with all that sugar. Come on. We know what it's talking about. It's kind of obvious. Stop, don't twist it to what, what it's not meaning. So, so, it's not talking about grape juice there. So what does this mean for you and me? What does this mean? If we were to sort of wrap this up, if we were to sort of sum it up, and uh, of course, when I've done series on this before, I've done it over three, three weeks and really done, but we've got one, one 30-minute slot today to pack this in. So ultimately, what does it mean for you and I? Well, number one, don't get drunk. That's what it means. If you get drunk, that's dumb. Okay, it's dumb. Tap your neighbor and say, it's dumb. Don't get drunk. If you're a follower of Christ, remember, I'm not talking about the world does. I'm talking about what we should do. The Bible's clear. Don't get drunk. It's, not, it's black and white. It is clear. It's night and day. Secondly, ultimately, we're talking about what does this mean for me? What does this mean for you? Ultimately, to drink or not to drink, the decision, Christian, as a responsible adult is yours according to your conscience. Because here's the thing, you have to give an account for your life and for your witness to God. You and only you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Well, what does that mean? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Well, well, simply this, it's, uh, you can put a diesel into your petrol car. That's permissible. But it's not very beneficial. Come on, somebody. Who's done that? We don't know. So I, don't, I mean, it's not, you, you can do it. You're free to do it, but it's not very beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything. See, we have a freedom and a liberty in Christ. He who the sun sets free really is free indeed. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, we have freedom in Christ, but we are not free, listen, my friends, to do whatever we want. We are free to serve Him. We're not free. People misunderstand. Well, I'm free to do what? I'm free. No, you're free fallen. Don't just watch out there. Come on, somebody. We're not going in free fall. We're free to serve Him. That's why He died. Not so we can do whatever. We're free from sin. Good place to say amen. amen. So we have freedom in Christ, Christ but we've got to understand our freedom is not an excuse to sin or to go off. And what I want to say this morning is please do not use my sermon as a liquor license. Come on, somebody. Whoa, party, party, party. 
No, no, that's not what I'm saying. See, because if you have a problem with alcohol, if you have a problem with alcohol, you need to stay away from it. I read this scripture. I didn't have it in my, my notes, but I, was just, I came across the scripture just this morning. And it says this in, in, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It's not asking you the question. Don't look at your neighbor. It says, those who linger over wine who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I do not feel it. When I wake up so I can find another drink. You know, there's another passage, I think. I can't remember exactly where it, where it is, where it repeats the same. It's 1 Corinthians 10, I think, where it says everything is permissible. It repeats it again, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but... Then it goes on to say, think about others. In, in other words, let me, let me find it. It's worth, it's worth a read. I think I, if I can find it. Yeah, it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And then it says this, listen, this is important. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. It's not about just what's good for me. It's about what's good for the good for the whole. So please do not use this sermon as a liquor license. If you have a problem with alcohol, you've got to stay away from it. For many, alcohol starts as a good good servant, but it becomes a life crippling master. And we're not allowed to let anything become our master except God alone. And even if you do choose to drink, you have to remember the passage from 1 Corinthians. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. It's talking about food offered to idols and another passage that talks about eating and drinking. Therefore, if what I eat or drink or do or how I live causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. So what was Paul's concern? Others. Not my rights. Well, I get to do it. So what? Leave me alone. That's what's good for others. I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. In other words, Paul is saying, although I'm free to choose, I don't want people to stumble because of the freedom that I have. Saying I'd rather not do it. So where's the line? Here's the thing, if you don't know where the line is, don't drive so close to the edge. If you don't know where the line is, I mean, sometimes you go, I don't know where the line is, so let's get as close as possible to the edge. And then people fall off. You want to be safe, stay away from the edge. Come on, somebody. See, the Christian, when it comes to alcohol, must walk with responsibility and wisdom. 
we're called to be light in a dark world. If you, and so I want to challenge you, you know, again, if you see your brother or sister being an idiot, tell them. Tell them. If you struggle with alcohol, don't put yourself in places where you will be tempted. And let's not let jolly turn into folly this Christmas season. And there endeth the message. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Maybe there'll be some here today and you've been affected by alcohol in your homes. Maybe for others, alcohol's ruined your family. It broke up your mum and dad's marriage. Maybe it broke up your marriage. There'll be stuff here, people, where alcohol, the abuse of it has just ruined and, and caused hurt. I pray in the name of Jesus. Just that by right now, even by the Holy Spirit, that, that you would break all that which has been caused. And God, even today, by your Holy Spirit, would just minister life into people's situation. We thank you for Ezekiel 18, where it talks about the, what my parents did doesn't need to be my story. And so, Lord, I just pray, Father God, for any family ties or stuff where alcohol has become a real issue through, the, through even the many generations of our family. We break the power of that right now in Jesus' name. And God, help us to be people who respond to your Holy Spirit in obedience to that which you want us to do. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. But help us to live with wisdom and clarity and with care. Not just thinking about what's good for us, but thinking about what's good for others. Help us live with wisdom and discernment when it comes to this area that we can freely, freely choose. Sing that Jesus song. Maybe you need Him to do a work in your life this morning. Come on, let's sing. given your life to Christ. If you're here today and you have, uh, maybe a friend brought you or maybe you just ended up here, you saw an ad or whatever or found us on the internet or whatever it is, I, I want to I wanna finish this service without giving you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Maybe for your life here today, maybe on the outside everything looks amazing. People look at your Instagram and your Facebook and go, wow. And there's stuff going on on the inside of you. You know that you need God. Maybe you've never really given your life to Him. 
In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. You know, the Bible says he knocks on the door of our heart, and if we would open it, he will come in. It solve every problem, but what it does is it allows him to be Lord of your life. You're really saying, would you come and be king of my life? I, I need you, God. I've, I've been trying to, like Frank Sinatra, do it my own way. Try to do it my way, and it hasn't worked. That's because God knows how we work. And today, if you're here and you know you need to make Him the King of your life, maybe maybe even in the alcohol area, He's not been Lord of your life. It's been a master to you. Maybe in the other areas of your life, there's stuff going on where, where you, are, you know you're not in control and that, that there are things that have mastered you. And Santa, I want you to be my master. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my King. I'm going to pray a prayer that, 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 that invites the beginning of that process. And if you're here today and you're saying, that's me, would you include me in that prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, this is a holy moment. Would you put your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you include me in that prayer? Is there anyone here? You know you need to get right with God. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you over there. Down the back. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Thank you down over there. Thank you. Yes, that's the left. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Thank you. Now, if there's anyone else here and you know you should have put your hand up, but you didn't for whatever reason, maybe pride, whatever, I don't know. You're just like, oh man, I don't want to, no. And you know you needed to. Would you put your hand up now? Just say, that's me. I should have put my hand up then. I just know God's speaking. Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to close this off without giving the opportunity. Amen. So let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus. I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. I repent of my sins and would ask today, you would come afresh into my life and be not just my Savior, but my Lord from this day forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank Jesus?